We are so glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much in you and through you, and we would love to hear about it. Would you send us an email at shannon at hectorfirst.com to tell us your story? You can also go online and give to this ministry by going to hectorfirst.com and clicking the Give tab. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy the message. Amen. I am excited about today. I'm gonna tell you, I, it's it's been uh, it's been one of those mornings when uh, God just messes everything up, and uh, everybody says, "Oh, it's always good when God does that, right?" Well, it doesn't. That doesn't make the preacher feel better. It doesn't, because it is. I have sat in my office this morning since about. 7 o'clock, and I have prayed, I have cried, I have uh, all of the emotions that um, it's just God's got something special for us today, and, and uh, I'm excited to, de- to deliver what God has given us. I, I don't know how it's going to go, but I know He does. But uh, before we get started this morning, happy Father's Day again. Happy Father's Day. Um, I love all of you. I get to be in church with my grandpa. Uh, I love you. I love you. Happy Father's Day. Thank you to everybody that's here this morning. Thank you to Susan for getting everything. The donuts, she got up and went to, went to Russville and picked up the donuts this morning. So thank you for decorating and all that. You need to get your picture taken out in the foyer before you leave today. And no, none of that out there is is give, getting to give giveaway or however you say that. That's my kayak. That's my fishing pole. My tackle boxes, that's going back home with me. Psalms chapter 78. Psalm chapter 78. We're gonna, I'm going to be in several passages this morning. Uh, but Psalm 78, I want, I want to start reading there. I want to read a few verses beginning in verse number 5. Verse number 5, it says, He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers to teach to their children. I want, I want you to catch this. I want you to catch this. He commanded our fathers to teach their children that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and a rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Father's Day is a special day for our families. And some of us, we can have a good day. Some of us may experience sadness. But Father's Day is a day that we celebrate. Before we pray, I want to read a quote 
General Douglas MacArthur said, by profession, I am a soldier, and I take great pride in that, but I am also prouder, infinitely prouder to be a father. A soldier destroys in order to build. The father only builds, never destroys. Dads, soon-to-be dads, dads down the line, we have a great responsibility to instill in our kids, not just our own kids, but kids that come up around us, to be faithful to God and to show them the goodness of God. It's a big responsibility, but it's something of great honor as well. Today, I want to pray for you that God's hand will be over your life and that this service, this service is not just for you, dads, but it's for all of us. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you again for a wonderful day. You bless this word today, Lord. Help me, Father, to remove myself and allow you to speak through me. Touch our hearts and our lives. Leave here changed by the anointing of your power and the anointing of your spirit. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. As you're seated, look at the people beside you, around you, and tell them happy Father's Day. Fathers are called to teach. Fathers are called to model. We are called to model not only the things in life and we teach and, 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 uh, and give our kids and those that are around us things to, to, to glean from, but the most important thing is that we model the gospel of Jesus Christ. We model the word. We model the things that God has blessed us with in order to guide these next, these few generations that are behind us in the ways of God. I thank God for my heritage. I thank God for, for the lineage that I come from and, and uh, for the things that were instilled in me. Will we be fathers today? When you leave here today, I hope and I pray that you can answer it this way. Will we be fathers who are present and who will not only talk about the gospel, but will we model out the gospel? Will we, will you be a model of the gospel of Jesus Christ? What did your father teach you? What did he teach you? What, did, what can you remember? Maybe your father is still living. Maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're like me. My father's been gone for a very long time. And I was, I was just a young man when I was just a, I was a kid when my dad passed away. I just turned 13 years old, and, and I still, there are days when I, when, I, when I can't even remember what it was like. I can't remember what he was like, but there are things that he instilled in me in that short time that I was, that I was honored and privileged to have him in my life. I still remember those things. I remember some things. I'm going to show you some pics here in just a few minutes that my mom had sent me, but 
What did your father teach you? What are you teaching your kids? For some of us, it might be easy to answer those questions. Some of us, it may not be that easy. Maybe we didn't have a father in our life. Depending on how we grew up, fathers might not, might not see themselves as teaching their kids anything. But as kids, how many of you can remember when you were a kid? Can you remember when you were a kid? Can you remember when you were a kid and, and things that, you, that you, you learned from just watching? You learned from just watching your dad or watching your grandpa or watching your teacher or watching your Sunday school teachers, just things that just observing how people live and, and what they do in, in just the environment that they're a part of in the moment. You might have not have grown up in a, in a football family or or rooted for a, rooting for a certain team, like the Razorbacks or the Cowboys. You know, those are God's teams, right? Yeah. So I know that there are some other teams in here that, well, we'll just call them second best, but I'm just, well, if you, did you see Arkansas just put the whoop on Stanford yesterday? I mean, come on. Just kidding. I don't want to cause division in the house of God. God loves your team too. You might have grown up in a family that, where your dad worked on cars. I'm not a mechanic. I am not a mechanic. Let's just put that out there. Maybe your dad hunted or was obsessed with a certain hobby things that you learned from him. Maybe they wasn't in the formal teaching, but just from watching, just from observing and immersion, osmosis. Oh, I wish that was such, I wish that was a, a thing that I could just, it could just happen. There are certain things that I wish that I could do, but I can't. Dads, we might, we might struggle sometimes with, with being the role model. But our children are learning from us. They are learning from everything that we do. Everything that we do at home, everything that we do outside in the yard, everything that we do when we come to church, everything that we do, they are watching, they are learning, they are observing, and they are, you are forming them into what they are going to be, whether you think about it or not. Whether you're setting them down saying, this is how you do this, this is how you don't do this. We struggle sometimes as being that model, to being that role model that we think that, that we have to be. Hey, when, in 2014, when Ethan graduated high school, one of the hardest things that, that I, as a father, ever did, and one of the hardest things that we went through was leaving Ecuador, bringing Ethan back to the United States and leaving him. Yeah, I know I left him. He was living with my mom at the time. But in that moment in my, in my life, my biggest question and my biggest fear was, did I do it enough? Did I do it right? Was I good enough? Was I a good enough dad? Was, did, I, did I do it right? Did I do him right by you, God? 
And there's those things that, that today, even today, when, when, when having conversations with him, and it's just one of those things, well, maybe I did. Or maybe, just maybe, there's something there that took hold. You see, a dad is called by God to teach. I look across this room and I see some great dads, some great father figures in the house. And I see young men that are sitting here as well that, that have yet to find a spouse, to have a kid, to be a dad. I see all these young men, and I look at them, and I think, man, they are surrounded by father figures. But more than that, they are surrounded. You, they're in the house of God. They are, they are not only gleaning from, from you, but they are gleaning from the heavenly father. Guys, we want you to grow up to be men. I used to pray this over Ethan. I raise him up to be a great man of God. Using for your glory, and that's my same prayer for you today as well. In Psalm 78, the text that we read, the psalmist here reminds us that God's truth was to be taught down through the generations. It's to be taught. It cannot be just forgotten. It can't be just, it cannot just be, well, it's just here it is. It's got to be taught. We go to school, you go to school as a kid, as a child growing up to learn so we can be good adults, right? We go to school to be, to be taught. The same thing God's telling us in the Scripture in, verse, in verses 7 and 8 says, so that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments. Keep his commandments. You see, the Bible is filled with examples of importance of generational teachings to new generations on the ways of God and the Word of God. It is evident that teaching the next generation is not merely an option. It is not an option. It's not an option, but it is an obligation. It's an obligation, a covenant-like duty commanded to us by God, by God. There's so many examples this morning that I could give. I, I just looking out across this sanctuary, and I see who who is here, and I can I, I see lives that have been changed. I see. I remember some of you as as kids growing up, or some of you we grew up together. And like I said, when I started, there are a few things that I can, I can remember about my dad. Like if I really, really try hard, I can, I can hear his voice. I've got a, 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 a cassette tape, and Susan had made me a CD of, of my dad singing when he was, for Father's Day one year, she gave me a CD. She took the, the cassette tape of when they were in the singing group, Ogariki and, and David Owens and Rick Owens. They were in that singing group, and, and she put it on a disc for me, and, and all the moving from here to Ecuador, it's somewhere. I just don't know where it's at. 
that I've got a tape that Brother Frank Romines gave me one Sunday last year, and it's in my desk, and it's the singing ambassadors. The only problem is I don't have a cassette player. If you don't know what a cassette player is, Google it. But I can remember things like what my dad's nickname was for me. It was either Buck or Buckaroo. And I can remember him walking in after work, and he would come into the house, and I can remember him calling me that. I can remember certain things like how he loved the Razorbacks. And Skip, you got that, that one pick? I remember as a kid, my mom kept My mom keeps everything. But I remember staying up one night watching the Razorback basketball game and leaving, knowing that he was working third shift, and I left him a note that the Razorbacks won. I remember how much he loved the Razorbacks. I remember things like that. I remember things of, of how much he loved me. You can put that next pick up. I don't remember this day, but that's me sitting on my dad. I don't remember that day, but I remember how much he loved me. I remember that the things that he did was for us as a family. I remember the things that maybe, maybe nobody else could. I remember that he could sing and something, something so silly but I remember learning something that never, he never taught me. I was a kid. But I remember watching him paint something one day with a can of spray paint. And I remember him telling me how to do it. And I still remember it to this day. I remember little things like that. I know that may be silly to you, but that just proves the point that, that there are times in our lives when we, we're just observing things and we learn. And how important it is, and I see the little ones, and I see, I see Essie sitting over here, and though she's little, and she may not understand, but she understands. She's watching. And I see, I, I know that I, I'm, I'm not, we're not grandparents yet this week. This week, if she doesn't go into labor by Wednesday, they're going to induce on Thursday. So by this time next week, we will be grandparents. And we are excited about that. But as though I know that she is little, she hasn't even came into the world, that everything that I do, it's a responsibility to me. What's she going to see in me? What's she going to see in me? What's she going to see in her dad? It's a big responsibility. My dad, though he was, he was taken from, from this earth at a very young age, his legacy still lives on. His legacy, his name will still be carried on today. This next week, he would have been a great, this coming week, he would have been a great grandpa. Little things. I also remember the day that I heard the word cancer for the first time. 
when my dad came home from work and announced to my mom that he had cancer. I remember. I remember that day. I, I, I could take you to the house where my grandparents live today. I can tell you where my mom was. I can tell you where I was. And I can remember the conversation that was taking place. And I remember the first time I ever heard that word, cancer. And it was just a few years later that my dad was gone. I know it, you know, this, well, that's depressing, yeah. But I want to make a point that there are times in our lives when things are forever etched in your brain. There are moments in your life when things will forever be remembered, good and bad, happy and sad. I remember those, I remember those days. I remember those things. The scripture, the psalmist is saying, we have to stay focused. We have to stay focused and focus on the things of God, the things that are important, the foundation that we lay will forever be remembered, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Maybe you don't have uh, or didn't have a good foundation as a kid growing up. You can make the change today. You can put things in motion to where you are going to be the dad that you never had. That you are going to make a difference in the lives that are in you or through you or that are around you. You can make a difference today. Starting today. We can go through the Bible and we can look at many father figures and have so many examples that, have, that were laid out. I mean, we can go to Genesis chapter 5. We can go to Matthew chapter 1. And we can talk about all those begats that said so-and-so begat this guy and this guy begat this guy. This, they, they fathered this guy. They fathered this guy. Names all the way through. That's boring. What are they going to say about you when you're gone? What are they going to say? Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9 says, And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your kids. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. It should be on your heart and on your mind at all times. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says, then, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses. It goes on to talk about several other things. But the truth about the Lord is passed from one generation to the next by spiritual relay. By spiritual relay, somebody has handed you the baton. I am handing you the baton this morning. That's I am handing it to you. You say, I don't, I don't have it. I didn't have it. Today, you are here. I'm passing it to you. 
I'm telling you about the truth. I'm giving you scripture. I'm giving you examples. The baton has been handed to you. It's a big responsibility. And you can't, you can't unhear it. You can't walk away and say, I don't want it. You've been given it today, this morning. It's given to you. The truth about the Lord is passed on from generation to generation by you. Yesterday morning, God really began to mess, mess with me about this passage or about this story that I'm about to tell. The story within the Word of God, you can find it in the, in, the, in the Gospels in Matthew chapter 9, Mark chapter 5, and Luke chapter 8. It's a story that we know, if, if you know the word, it's the story of Jairus and his daughter. Here was Jairus, and he was distraught about his daughter. This is where I want to hang out right here just for a moment. I'm going to go ahead and ask the praise team if they'd make their way back. I'm not going to keep you much longer but I have something I need to say. This story begins with Jairus, whose daughter is sick. In Matthew, in Matthew chapter 9, it's laid out before us, in Mark chapter 5 and Luke 8. This dad, whose daughter is sick and dying, he knows he knows that there's no hope unless Jesus does something. It says he's a leader of the synagogue. He's a religious man. He knows the scripture, and he's going after the master. My daughter is going to die unless Jesus does something. There's no hope unless Christ moves. Have you ever been in a hopeless situation where you didn't think that, that the answer, or maybe the answer didn't come the way you wanted it to? I, I, I can't explain why things happen this way and why they don't happen this other way. But from the very beginning of this story, Jesus agreed to go with him. Jairus sought him out. Master, my daughter is dying. Can you come and lay hands on her so she'll be made whole? We all know that, that Jesus had the power just to speak to the situation and her be made whole. We know that he had that type of power. But something had to happen. Something had to take place. Something had to be done. Jesus agrees to go with them. Y'all can begin to play softly whenever you get ready. As they're going, we know that in the middle of this story, in the middle of Jairus' situation, in the middle of his desperation, in the middle of his moment of weakness, his daughter's dying, Jesus is walking through the crowd with his disciples and a woman who needed a, a touch, who, who needed healing in her own body, reaches out and touches his garment. 
We know the story that the woman with the issue of blood, that she was, she'd spent all of this time and all of her money for a healing, for a miracle. And if you think about Jairus and what he was going through, he's thinking, I, this is me. From a dad's point of view, I'm thinking, we ain't got time to deal with this issue. You're coming with me. My daughter is dying. My daughter is going to die unless you come to my house, Jesus. This woman is, is, is sick. Jesus is a popular person in this moment, in this story. It's very popular. The crowds are around him, the disciples. It's like, it's, it'd be like the president going through a, 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 a crowd. He's got all these bodyguards standing around him and trying to get through the crowd. Everybody wanting to touch Jesus. Everybody wanting something. But Jairus, the story begins with this dad whose daughter is going to die. And very selfish of me, when I read this, all I think about is what I would be doing, my feelings. Come on, come on, Jesus. Come on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, come on, let's get him through this crowd so he can get to my house where my need can be met. It doesn't go into detail about Jairus and what he was dealing, his emotions or anything like that. But as I started this, this text, this sermon this morning, I was talking about teaching. It's talking about how the people around you are observing. The kids, they're watching, they're learning, even when we don't say anything. And as I was, as, as, as God was talking with me or just, just opening these scriptures up to me, I began to think about Jairus. And how he must have, he must have just, he knew the power and the authority that he was around. And he was just watching like, mm, he's fixing to do this to my family. I have faith to come find him. This is just part of my story. This is just part of my, I get this, this is how it's going to arrive to my house. And he's sitting back and he's watching Jesus go through the crowd. This woman reach out and touch him. And, and he said, and Jesus stops and says, somebody touched me. And his disciples, the guys that have been watching him and coming up around him and learning from him, they're, they're in this mode of like, Jesus, what do you mean? Who touched you? You not see all these people? Any one of them could have touched you. He said, no, 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 no. There was something different because I felt the power leave me. And Jairus is like, oh, yeah. This is, this is what I've been wanting. This is what I need. This is what my house needs. My house needs restoration. My house needs the power and the presence of Jesus. You see, we can choose to look at the life that is happening around us and be selfish and be stingy and think, well, he can't do that for me because he's doing it for them. Or he's got to get to me. In order for him to get to me, he's got to go through this junk. Let me tell you, there is no junk that he cannot get through. There's nothing that he can't get through. 
We know the story and how it ends for the woman. God healed her. He, he, Jesus healed her, and he says, go. Go, and your sins are forgiven. But in that moment, at that end of that miracle, here comes some of the servants from the house, Jairus. Somebody is always going to try to bring you down. Somebody's always going to try to steal your momentum, to steal your joy, to steal your victory, to steal what God had given you in the beginning was hope. It's hope. Servants arrive and they say, don't even bother. Jesus doesn't have to come because she's already dead. She's already gone. There's no need for Jesus to keep coming. You can leave it be. And Jesus overhearing everything that is being said, he says to Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. She's just asleep. Don't be afraid. Basically what he's saying is, is don't lose hope. It may not be the way you think it should be. It may not happen the way you think it should happen. It may not be exactly what you've prayed for. But when Christ is in control, when God is on your side, He doesn't make mistakes. Don't be afraid. I have hope. I have hope. Forget the things that are past. Forget the things that had happened before. It's here right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't lose hope. I'm fixing to wake it up. I'm fixing to wake up your miracle. I'm fixing to bring back the hope into your life. Dads, everybody, don't lose hope. Don't be afraid. The promise that you were given, the joy that you was given, the miracle that you was promised, the hope that was instilled in you, that was birthed in you, that took root in you, don't lose hope. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I've lost kids. I've lost grandkids. I've lost family members. It's kind of hard to be happy. It's kind of hard to rejoice. I can't explain those things. Nobody can but there's always going to be somebody that's going to be in your life or around you that's going to try to rob you from your hope, rob you from your joy, rob you from your miracle. And Jesus says, do not be afraid. Don't lose hope. Don't lose joy. I've given you these. I'm going to restore it. It may not be the way you want it to be, but I promise you this, it's the way that God intended it for it to be. Well, how do you say that? How God could cause all this sadness. God could cause all this. Again, I can't explain it. The only thing that I know is that he is on the throne and his way is the best way. His way is the best way. Yeah, sure, I could be here this morning and I could be very sad and very just out there in the mully grubs because my dad passed away when I was a kid. 
My dad's not going to be here next week when we have our first grandbaby. My dad's missed out on a lot of this. Yeah, I could be sad. Sure, I do miss him. I miss him every single day. Though I may not be able to explain it away. Maybe Maybe I can't understand it fully. But the only thing that I can think of and the only thing that I can stand on is if that had to happen for me to be here today, right here in front of you, then to God be the glory. If that had to happen today for my kids to be in love with Jesus, then to God be the glory. If that had to happen so I could have been a missionary for 12 years and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to places that had never heard the gospel before, to God be the glory. Did your family member have to die to go through something that you can't, that's unexplainable, that is, that is just hard to understand, and you can't understand it and you can't explain it, but maybe, just maybe, It's to get you where you are today, to listen to what God is saying to you this morning, to God be the glory. To God be the glory. I love the rest of this story is when they get, Jesus says, don't be afraid, she's just asleep. He says, come on, let's go. We're going to your house. Jesus walks into the room. Do you get this? He walks into the room, and nobody goes in there, just a few of his disciples, mom and dad. And it says he goes in, he takes the the girl by the hand, and she gets up. She's alive. She She was asleep. But the people that were there, they in one of the one of the gospels it says they were already playing the flutes. They were causing a commotion. They were already beginning the mourning process. Jesus said, why are you doing this? I'm here right now, and I'm bringing restoration. I'm bringing the hope back into your life. I'm bringing the joy back into your life, though it doesn't look like it. And then what the crowd did, they laughed. The world is going to laugh at you because of the way you believe. You can be in a hopeless situation. You can, be in a, you can be in moments of loss, of death in your life, in your family. And you can throw up your hands, throw in the towel, say, I can't do this. Jesus walks into the room and says, I'm bringing hope back. I'm bringing restoration back. I'm bringing joy back. I'm bringing the goodness of God. But I'm bringing me into the situation, though it may not be what you want. When I walk into the room, all hope is restored. All joy is restored. You can't explain things in life. You can't. You can't explain the way things happen, why there's sadness, why disasters take place. You can't. But when Jesus walks into the room, when Jesus walks into the situation, how can you be joy? How can you, how can you preach something like this on Father's Day? How can you speak something into lives like this on Father's Day? There's some here this morning 
that you feel like you failed as a father. You feel like you have failed as a man of God. You feel like you have failed in so many ways. I can't, I can't fix what I, no, you can't fix what's been done. You can't go back and fix the past. The past is the past. Let it go. Right here, right now, let the present be the present, which is a gift from God. And allow hope to come back into your life. Allow hope and joy and restoration to come back into your family. You can make a difference right here, right now, for those that are around you, the those that are those that are coming up behind you. The difference can be made in starting today. Starting today. Young people, guys, gals, it doesn't matter. Let it be today. Start today making a change, making a difference in those that are around you, your, your friends at school, I, even at home, moms and dads that maybe they don't, I, I don't know, maybe they don't have a relationship with God. It's on us. It's on all of us, right? Do you know those people in your life when somebody walks into the room and everybody turns and looks? The life of the party, you know those people, Ethan's that way. When Ethan walks in the room, Everybody's like, going to laugh, right? When Jesus walks into the room, all hope is restored. All joy is restored. All life has been given when Jesus walks into the room. Jairus could have walked away at the moment when that woman with the issue of blood took over you know had that takeover spirit whatever Jairus could have got mad and walked away but he stayed and he watched and he said that's going to my house that power that hope is going to my house even when the world tries to tell differently that if she's dead she's gone that hope is coming my house that joy is coming to my house do you have faith do you have faith to believe do you have faith to believe in in the hopeless situation to know that the hope restorer is walking into the room the hope restorer you stand with me all over this room this morning dads I want you to listen to me they need you grandpas they need you not only do they need you they need to see you loving God they need to see you worship they need to hear you pray they need to see Jesus in you they need you to bring them to church they need you to invite them to church again and again. They need you not to give up on them because your heavenly Father has not given up on them either. They need you. We need you. Don't just be their dad. Be their father figure. Let them see God in you. Let them hear 
you pray. This morning, dads, don't fear, but believe. Just look, you can't go back and fix the past. Let today be new. Let it be joy. If you're here this morning, heads are bowed, eyes are closed real quick. You see, Jairus, he stood his ground. He was fathering in the toughest moment of his life. And his faith stood strong. Our kids are going through stuff today in today's world that we don't understand. And it's hanging on us. It's hanging on us. And you say, Pastor, that today, today God has been dealing with me. Maybe it's your past. You just can't get over it. You've made mistakes. Today, you want to fix that. Today, you want to make things right. Today, you want to start fresh. Today, you want to be the father figure that can change the world, that can change your family. If that's you this morning, if you say, Pastor, that's me, that's me. God's been dealing with me because of my past. I can't move forward. If God's been dealing with you about that, would you slip your hand up right back down? I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I want to pray for you. There's a hand. Anybody else? You say, Pastor, I cannot get over what I did. Today, I've got to make a difference. Today, I've got to make a change. Slip your hand up right back down. See, I'm lost. I'm lost. I, I don't, I don't, there's a hand. I, I don't know what I need to do. Today, we change. Today we pray. Today we ask God to come into our lives. Today we ask Jesus to forgive us of our sins, to make us new. What happened yesterday is yesterday. What happens tomorrow, what happens today, Jesus has walked into the room. Anybody else this morning before we pray? Church, would you, would you just pray with me? Just repeat after me, everybody this morning. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of my past. Make my future days with you. And no matter what has happened, you have walked into the room. You have walked into my life. You have forgiven me. You have made me whole. I'm going to be the best that you have called me to be. In Jesus' name. You prayed that prayer this morning. We celebrate you. Heavens are rejoicing. But before we close today, we're going to sing this. We're going to sing this just for a moment. But before we dismiss, before we begin to sing, I feel like there's someone here today that 
I just can't get away from this. There's someone here this morning that is in need of a miracle. I'm not trying to be vague. I'm not trying to just cover a bunch. And just I'm, I'm just I, I, I know you know who you're talking. You know who you are. God's dealing with you this morning. God's been speaking to you. You're in a situation that only God can fix. You've tried to fix it on your own, but it hasn't. It hasn't happened. Today, God says, "I'm going to restore. I'm going to fix it." The hope is coming back. If that's you this morning, I want to pray with you. I don't want to embarrass anybody. That's not my intent. But if God's dealing with you, would you step out from where you're at and come and meet me right here? in control there's something about obedience there's something about stepping out trusting the Lord when he's speaking to you let me tell you he'll move heaven and earth for you as they sing this would you would you do me a favor just would you bow your heads let me just let me just let me do it this way. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Nobody's looking. God's spoken to you this morning. You just make eye contact with me. You don't have to. You don't have to raise your hand. Just look at me. I see you. I see you. I see you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Look, there were many that were looking at me. fixing to fulfill every promise. Everything that he has ever spoken to you is going to take place. But there's something that you have to do, and that's be obedient to what he's saying to you. It doesn't just happen. You have to act out on those things. What his promises say. Know him. Know his word. Spend time in prayer. Have a relationship with Him. Doesn't just happen. He wants to bless you. He wants to be in you. He wants to be for you. 
sit back and watch him move. Sit back and watch him move. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus. Church, would you would you pray with me this morning? If you if you made eye contact with me today, begin to pray with us as we pray for you. Father, in the name of your son Jesus, the many that are struggling today. The many that are in need of hope and restoration, let it be right here, right now. Right here, right now. No music, no music for a moment. Right here, right now. Jesus is walking into your room. And he's taking your dead miracle by the hand. And he's bringing it back to life. All he says, don't be afraid. It's only asleep. Don't be afraid. It's only asleep. The world is going to try to tell you. It's going to laugh at you. It's going to try to tell you that there is no hope left. It's too far gone. But there's a power and there's an anointing when our faith is restored in Christ. Jairus and his family could have listened to the crowd and said, our miracle is dead and gone. But Jesus stepped into the room and said, don't be afraid, and took the miracle by the hand She came back to life. And I feel like this part of the story, this part of the scripture, this is something that I think we look over so much. Jesus says, give her something to eat. Feed the miracle. Feed the miracle. In order for the miracle to grow, there has to be some meat. There has to be some food. The Word, the Word of God, relationship with the King, but they have to have the examples lived out in front of them. I'm sure that miracle, that daughter, never forgot that day and that story was forever etched in her mind. And she remembers that I had a daddy whose faith was more than the crowd. I had a father figure that was willing to fight for my life.
had a daddy that was determined to bring the presence of hope, the presence of Jesus into my room and bring restoration, to bring hope, to bring joy. Never underestimate the power of God. Never underestimate the power of your influence, Dad. Never underestimate what he can do in and through you. Those that were prayed for this morning, when you leave here today, you can leave here with a smile and know that joy and hope was restored. It was. Don't walk out of here in defeat thinking, well, that was just, that was good. No. You walk out of here holding on to the promises that Jesus takes a dead miracle and brings it back to life. A dead miracle. Don't let the world rob it from you. Let Jesus speak it into you. You go nowhere by accident. Wherever you are, God has put you there. Wherever you go, God is sending you. You have a purpose, Dad. You have a purpose, the very presence where you are. Christ who dwells in you has something he's got to do through you. Believe it. Go in his grace, his love, his power. He's called you, Dad, to be the one. Be the one. We love you. Pray you have a great Father's Day. Dads, don't forget your, your gift card. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Spend time with your family. Love them. Let them love on you. We will see you next Wednesday. We'll